Well, Paul, last time we spoke to Leo Schlink, he was about to wet a line and cut a swathe through the King oh, George Whiting Bay, population yes. at Coffin Bay on the Air Peninsula there. How are you, Leo? Did you uh, catch anything? Last time we spoke, um, <laughs> you were looking to cut a swathe through the King George Whiting population at Coffin Bay on the Air Peninsula. Uh, have you had any luck? Um, happy to su- uh, say there's had a little bit of luck, but uh, even happy to say that um, they've survived, no. mostly. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. Um, Brilliant fishing, but um, conditions are not so good today. But yesterday was great, um, so uh, having a great time, and uh, yeah, it'd be sad to leave this place. Mm. Leo, we know you cover tennis and cycling for us. We've been having a chat this morning and, and yesterday as well about this velodrome here in Birmingham. Seems to be an, uh, an unusual amount of accidents and some quite serious ones. Have you heard any mention about the track itself, the, the camber or the speed of it that's causing any anything untoward here? No, the only uh, criticism I've heard is uh, the barrier fences might be too low. And given what happened in the men's scratch race, you can see why people would say that. But um, this this velodrome is actually in London. It's the only event really that's not in Birmingham, and it's been used for um, major events before. And um, and there's never been any real criticism. Renowned as being super quick, and perhaps that's some of the issue. Um, we did see some big spills in in Tokyo uh, at the Olympics last year, but. This one, uh, we've had three at least serious falls and um, some quite serious injuries, not just to the riders as well. So maybe it's time to have another look at it, but um, it has had a a lot of very big events in the past without any serious injuries. Um, That's, uh, yeah, it's been quite strange, isn't it? Um, And off the uh, track and away from the Commonwealth Games, I suppose uh, we should mention that the uh, women's uh, Tour de France came to an end. Only eight stages for the women, I think, but uh, a worthy winner. It certainly was, and uh, they're looking already next year, given the success of this year's race. Um, it's a totally different format to the men's, of course. You say only eight stages, um, but Van Luten winning it, um, and a fantastic result for her. She's had a lot of illness. But this race started um, on the final day of the Tour de France. Um, it preceded the men's um, finale, and then it's gone out basically into regional France and finished with a mountaintop climb. And um, they're talking next year about going up Alpe d'Huez, increasing the prize money. Such was the popularity of the Tour and the visibility, and it was really well supported. So this is a really big step forward for women's cycling, road cycling. Um, and something that, that will be hailed as a, as a game-changer for the sport, especially in Europe. And um, I think from this they can build it into something really special. Leo, as far as tennis is concerned, we'll get to Novak Djokovic in the US Open in just a moment. But on the hard-court season up and running in America, success, success to Alex Dimonar in Atlanta with a straight sets victory in the final over Jensen Brooksby, bringing, beating one of the Americans on home soil, which is great stuff. Yeah, this, this tournament has been very hard to prize out of American hands for a long time now. And um, for Alex Dimonor to do what he did um, over the past week is fantastic. His, his sixth tour title, his first since Eastbourne in, I think, 2021. Um, and it was very much an Australian affair there because uh, Nick Kyrgios and, and Tanasi Kokonakis beat uh, John Pearce and, and Jason Kubler in an all-Australian doubles final. And I think this is the first time it's happened for Australia um, in something like um, eight years and um, the last singles champion to do that uh, to lead the charge for Australia was one bloke called Bernard Tomich mm. and blast of the past mm. so um, um, no great result by Alex Dimonor and he's one guy who works really hard um, a bit of a curious event for Nick Kyrgios uh, he had the knee problem but was still able to get through and play doubles he did double duties on Saturday that uh, there's 
semi-final match followed by the final. So hopefully he's going to be all right because now we're starting to get back into the really serious part of the US hardcourt summer swing where we've got a couple of 500 uh, tournaments on this week and um, he's, he's involved in that, Nick Kyrgios. So um, let's hope that that knee injury is not too severe. And uh, as also lead up to the US Open, I see there was a, uh, a final between Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz. Perhaps not for the last time we'll see those two youngsters uh, facing off, but it was Sinner who uh, won after coming from a set down. Yeah, great result, and it's very rare to see Alcaraz um, lose a match once he's got control of it. And to put Alcaraz in context, and also Sinner's achievement in the past week, um, Alcaraz at 18 has got to number four in the world mm. and there's a very select group of players who've been able to do that in the past um, including Bjorn Borg, John McEnroe um, just to, to name uh, a couple uh, there's another bloke called Nadal who's done it as well so that tells you how good this guy is and for Sinner to beat him in that style um, and the way that he did it um, really speaks uh, highly of the young Italian and, and these two guys um, you're right Andrew, th this, this is very much a preview of what we're going to see down the track, fantastic players and if they can both have stability around their off-court situation um, and Yannick's made some changes recently um, Carlos seems to be very set in what he wants, um, you can almost back it in that if they stay injury free they're going to have a lot of success, uh, I'm not so sure about Emma Raducanu, the pressure's really on her now, coming up to the US ch um, Open and she's just appointed her fourth coach mm. inside a year. So um, that, that tells you some of the inner pressures that are going on in her camp. I wonder if you look back now, or if her team looked back now and thought, you know what, the guy that was coaching us to win the title, why didn't we stick there? Exactly, and uh, Naomi Osaka's gone through very much the same dynamic. And you look at all the great relationships, yeah, they, they tinker, they bring in um, you know, new voices and fresh ideas over the journey but they very much stick to their philosophy. And um, you look at, say, Roger Federer, you look at Rafa. Um, yeah, he had Uncle Tony there for a long time, but he had Carlos Moya. And and what Alcaraz is doing very much uh, is is similar. And Ash Barty, um, you know, with, with Craig Tizer, um, just fantastic what they were able to achieve. And, uh, yeah, you, you wonder with, you know, it's been a revolving door for Emma Raducanu, and now the pressure it will really come on in terms of ranking. Um, and, you know, it's it's a... A really strange time to appoint uh, Dimitri Tursunov, very good coach, uh, but the timing is weird. Now, has there been any, anyone uh, uh, reach out to Craig Tizer and ask, is he inter interested in taking on uh, uh, a full-time job now that he and, and or now that Ash, is, Ash Barty has retired? I'm sure they will, uh, because he, you know, his reputation before Ash was, was really good, and it, it was just like almost a, a coronation um, with what he did with Ash, and um, just so highly respected and we know they've got that project together with Jason Saltenberg uh, in terms of a coaching academy uh, down the track but ties are so well respected that someone someone will come knocking on his door it's inevitable um, I hope it's a talented young Australian um, and that you know it's, it would be a miracle to do what he did with Ash Barty to do it again but as we're seeing with Darren Cale and uh, now you know helping Yannick mm. Sinner um, with what he did with Leighton Hewitt Simona Halep Andre Agassi um, lightning does strike uh, uh, twice, more than twice, with these fantastic coaches and, and ties us right up in that bracket.
Just on Emma Raducanu, I remember when she won the US Open, uh, you did say that uh, she would need some stability off court. Um, where's the impetus for all these coaching changes coming from? Is it a domineering parent or is it Emma herself, do you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, my money's on the first option. <laughs> I think it's a... Wow. Uh, what a surprise, yeah. Leo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, it's, look, she, by all accounts, and she comes across this way as a very pleasant person and just a, a normal kid, um, so young still, and what she's achieved is phenomenal, and I think she just wants to go out there and have fun and enjoy herself, and she's highly capable. And um, I know when uh, she played um, Ola Tomlanovic a couple of years ago at Wimbledon and was due to play Ash... Um, the winner of that match was to play Ash and um, Ash watched that match and thought wow this girl is so good and then we saw what happened um, at the US Open but for her I think she needs to get to that point where she can make her own decisions and be happy with what happens either way and right now that doesn't seem to be the case and you know it's the um, the fallout from these decisions and you know there's there's a political fallout to this because we know what happened with Wimbledon banning Wimbledon coaches and players and sure enough, as soon as she put the announcement up that um, Tersnoff was joining the camp on a trial basis, um, a couple of politicians have weighed in and said, well, this is totally inappropriate. So she's copying it on that front now mm. as well. Leo, something happened last week that I think made Ash Barty's success at the Australian Open uh, even more a fantastic effort because Igor Schwantek, who was the women's number one, this, this year... On clay, she was 18-0 and zero before last week, and that included titles at Stuttgart, Rome and the French Open. She'd only dropped two sets. She went to her home Open in Poland and was eliminated in the quarterfinals. So it just shows how difficult it is for a player to be at home and try and be successful. Yes, yeah, spot on, uh, Paul. That's a, a really good observation because... The pressure is never more intense and it. You, you talk to the British players about Wimbledon um, and you go right around the carousel and, and it's the same. We, we saw in Australia, we saw how long it took um, for Ash Barty uh, to become that player to, for us to stop referencing Chris O'Neill and, um, and, you know, we're still out there looking for the successor to Edo um, and that's going to go on for a while and um, it's very, very difficult because there are all these other issues that come into play and... Uh, we know it's a sport inside the four white lines, but it's not always that way. And um, we've, we've seen in the past, and that's why what Andy Murray did at Wimbledon is so special. And you look at the French, when was the last time a French champion was there? You have to go back to Yannick Noah. And so it goes on. And to win at home for any player is their most treasured thing and also the most difficult thing to do. Well, we have the US Open starting at uh, the end of the month. Uh, we don't know... Uh what Novak Djokovic uh, will be doing. It appears unlikely at the moment he'll be playing, but a month is a long time in sport. But the Russians will be back, um, which will, uh, I expect, they'll be very keen to make a mark after missing Wimbledon. Medvedev will be the one that um, is the... He'll be the keenest to make the point because um, with his ranking and everything else, um, he, he's the one that will go there and say, well, I've had you know good success here before and will really want to make a point along with everybody else, um, for the Russians that were sidelined and the, the Belarusians as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to add another dimension. And, yeah, you're right. Let's let's see what how it plays out with Djokovic. But Medvedev will be the player to watch because um, he's a guy who's a really good strategist and he's going to go there and try and tell the tennis authorities you made a huge mistake at Wimbledon. Uh, the ranking ramifications of, you know, it's going to be 
ugly as it goes on because the points that players should have got, as in Nick Kyrgios and, and uh, also Novak Djokovic, we saw that you know after Wimbledon how perverse it was when Djokovic, the best player in the world, tumbles down the rankings and now we have uh, the world number one coming back into the, into the, the fray, so let's see what happens. You mentioned before Wimbledon that, uh, you know, if you weren't at the absolute uh, top of your game, uh, fitness-wise, it was the most forgiving, and that's why you gave uh, Nick Kyrgios before the tournament a good chance. A, a realistic chance at the US Open, or perhaps not? If the conditions, um, you know, depending on the weather, the weather impacts on that tournament probably more than any other, apart from the French, um, because at the French you can make it super quick or really, really heavy and slow at the US Open. It's generally very, very quick, so you give him a chance there on that basis. But the, the, it's very saffing conditions, hot and humid. You know, London, I mean, surprisingly, Wimbledon can get very hot and humid, but nowhere near the US Open, and that's what's going to go against him. And who knows what the extent of this knee injury is, and who knows how he regroups mentally after what he did um, at Wimbledon. So I do give him a shot at it, um, and it's, it's probably his second best chance. But um, so having said that, it's a brutal tournament. Mm. Leo, we remember the uh, the trouble Tennis Australia got themselves in. Greg Tiley, the CEO and the organiser of the, the Australian Open when Novak came into the country and we saw all the dramas around that. How do the US press uh, view this with, with Novak? Is there that same sort of media circus around it at the moment? Will he or won't he be allowed to play? Or is it because it's the US, it's like, well, if he's not here, who cares? That's pretty much it. Like they're, they're a bit more detached than uh, it probably was last January, um, but they'll they'll treat him well um, if he gets there. I'd, I'd say at the moment, going on what's you know we can see um, that it's highly unlikely. But as as you've said, uh, things can change very quickly. But I think he's resigned himself to not being there. Um, but he, he'll um, keep on entering, and the the government will make the decision for them. But right now, it seems like um, he won't be there. Um, but you know, so that will mean, what does he do next? And that will be go back to Europe, play some more events there where he can play, and then hopefully be uh, able to have that ban overturned for Australia next January. And I suppose Leo, uh, we sort of forget that uh, Rafa Nadal was on uh, sort of schedule to win the Grand Slam. He had to pull out of the semi-final against Kyrgios at Wimbledon, but I see he's regrouped and uh, he'll be there at the U.S. Open and can never be discounted. No, that's right. He's so he's entered. Canada, um, so uh, the U.S. hardcore is always is most problematic because of his knees and other issues. That that foot is obviously the biggest issue now for him. Um, so he's had good success at the uh, great success at the U.S. Open in the past, and um, yeah, like uh, if you look at it right now, he's unbeaten in Grand Slam tennis this mm. season. Um, won't be unfortunately for him enough to say that he's he's won the Grand Slam, but it's a hell of an achievement if he were to go to the U.S. Open, Flushing Meadows, and and lift another title there and extend that lead again over Novak Djokovic. So he's got a lot to play for. And you know, the thing to remember about these guys, uh, Novak, um, Andy, um, Roger coming back as well, they're still all there throwing big punches. And right now, no one more so than Rafa Nadal. Leo, we've only got about 90 seconds till the end of the show. So when will we see Roger there? Will we see him at the, uh, the Labor Cup late September? He will be. That's what he's scheduled to come into. And then he's... Um, that's probably going to be in doubles and then uh, in singles he's going back to Switzerland to play in Basel um, and a lot of people have speculated that might be it but I, I don't think so. I, I think he wants to come back and have one big crack at Wimbledon one more time and I think that's what everything is being aimed at right now. So would we see him at the Oz Open? 
Let's hope so. I reckon if everything went well, there's a very good shot that that might happen. He loves the place. Uh, I would say it's his second favourite Grand Slam tournament. Um, and I reckon if he could be there, he will be there. Leo, always a privilege to chat to you, mate. Always entertaining. And so uh, we get so much information from you. We really appreciate it. We'll catch up next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Andrew.